Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. Romans, the first chapter, verse 11 through 12 says, For I long to see you. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church in Rome, and I want you to hear his heart. This is a man who has been impacted by Jesus Christ in such a way that it has completely changed his life. He goes on to write the majority of what we know as our New Testament scripture. He saw Jesus face to face on the road to Damascus, and he's telling the church in Rome, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Turn to the person next to you and say mutually encouraged. Paul is saying to them, it is my heart's desire to be with you because I know when we come together, we are going to be mutually benefited. I know that there is something that God has placed in my life for your benefit. But Paul, I also know that there is something that God has placed in your life for my benefit. And we need each other. Turn the person next to you and say, we need each other. And so the the title of today's message is this, Friends with Benefits. You heard me right. It's Friends with Benefits. With the benefits, you know, many of us understand the value of having uh, a healthy diet. We understand the value of being active physically. We understand the value of carrying a positive attitude. We, We even understand the value of having some form of a spiritual life. But many of us miss the benefit of having relationship with the proper kinds of people in our life. We, we don't understand how relating to others can actually transform us and give us energy and help us succeed. You have to understand this morning that we were created and designed by God for community. Turn to the person next to you and say, we were designed by God for community. If you go all the way back to the beginning of time when God creates the heavens and the earth, he puts everything in its place, and he looks at every aspect of his creation, and he says what? It is, say it loud, it is good. Except for when he takes man and places him in the garden alone. God pauses. And he says, you know what? This is not good. It's not good for man to be alone. So he creates for him a woman. Right here we see the institution of the first marriage. We see the beginning of a family. We see a family that will grow into a community. Later, Paul in the New Testament writings will tell us that marriage is actually a picture of Christ and his church. What what God did with Adam and Eve that day was a foreshadowing of what would happen with Jesus and us, where we Although many would become one, we would be joined together. It is through that togetherness that we were created to thrive within. 
Whenever you read the Bible, you will see the phrase one another over and over again. You'll see things like love one another, show hospitality to one another, encourage one another, build one another. You get, you're, you're, are you getting the picture? That, that's what it's all about. It is all about one another. It is all about you and I, not me by myself. See, in this series, Commonly Uncommon, we're talking about the fact that as children of God, our life should be uncommon to the pattern of the world. What they see as common should be uncommon to us. And so the world is a very me-centered environment. But we are not created to be a me-centered environment. We are created to be a we-centered environment, understanding that I am not the center of the universe. And you are not the center of the universe. It is all about Jesus and his body. Are you getting this? This is such an important teaching to grasp hold of. Yes, you have value. Yes, you have worth. Yes, Jesus loves you as an individual. And yes, Jesus will use you as an individual. But that individual anointing and calling that you have is empowered through the corporate body. We need one another. Turn to the person next to you and say, we need one another. I've got a sign at my house that sits next to our coffee station and it says all I need today is a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus and I like that sign <laughs> it's cute I read it every morning when I'm making my coffee I think you know what? I do need this coffee and I do need a whole lot of Jesus it makes me feel spiritual about the coffee making experience you know <laughs> it makes me feel better about myself you know I feel like I'm better than all the other people who aren't thinking about Jesus while making their coffee. You know, it's, it's a cute sign. I really do like it. But it's incomplete. And I want you to hear what I'm saying because many times we, we, we think this way. You know, it's just about me and Jesus. He's my own personal Jesus. You, know, you ever heard that song? And that's how we relate. You know, all I really need in life is a little bit of coffee. And a whole lot of Jesus. That's all I need, John. But biblically, that's not true. Biblically, the sign should read, I need a little bit of coffee. I need a whole lot of Jesus. But I also need a whole lot of people. Turn to the person next to you and say, we need each other. See, get this. Like Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is essential. Jesus should have the, the first place in our life. But you have to understand these two things. First is this. Jesus did not just save you from your sins. See, many of us, if you've been anywhere near church, you understand that Jesus freed you from your life of sin. He takes you out of darkness, places you into his marvelous light. We get that. And that's wonderful. And that is true. And that is essential. But he does not just save us from something. He also saves us to something. Turn to the person next to you. He say, he saves you to something. Many of us don't understand this. See, he saves us to his body, which is the church. The church is where we are nourished and our purpose comes alive. It's important to know that Jesus often meets our needs through the people he has connected us to. Jesus often meets our needs 
through the people he has connected us to. That is why our connection is so important. That is why our connection is so valuable. And that is why the enemy will do anything to disrupt our connection. Because if he can separate us from one another, he gets a foothold in our life. I think that the whole COVID thing that we went through, the most dangerous thing that we faced was not the sickness. The most dangerous thing we faced was the isolation from one another. Specifically, the inability to come together. I'm thankful for the, the you know, internet church. I, I'm grateful. That's a, that's a wonderful tool and resource, but that should never replace the coming together because we are only the church when we come together. You, you have to get this. It is not a me thing. Everything that Jesus did and died for was a we thing. His desire was to put together a body, not just a Matthew. See, we, we've done really good teaching. You know, Jesus wants to put your life back together. And that is true. And we've done a great job teaching that. But we have mi really missed and not stressed the fact that really what he wanted to accomplish was the bringing together of a body, a church, his bride that would become his hands and feet so that we would be an expression of him here on this earth. And so by doing so, he meets our needs through one another. I want you to see what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the 7th chapter. Verse 6, he says this, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Did you just see what Paul said? God who comforts the downcast actually chose to comfort us through the coming of this guy named Titus. See, during Paul's trials, God could have comforted him with an angel. He could have comforted him with a Bible passage. He could have comforted him with a miracle, which God does all of those things. But in this particular time, God chooses to comfort Paul through the coming of a friend. There's a story that you've possibly heard before about a guy who gets stranded in a flood. And he winds up on the roof of his house as the flood waters are rising. He's starting to panic because minute by minute the water is getting higher and higher. And so he thinks to himself, I don't, I don't, know, what, I don't, I don't know what to do. There's nowhere to go. Even if I tried to swim, I'm going to get tired. I'm going to wear out and I'll eventually drown. And so he hits his knees, Cameron, and he begins to cry out to God, oh God, save me. God, help me. You are my strong deliverer. He starts throwing out every scripture he can remember. You're my ever-present help in time of need. You know, he even gets the ha at the end of it. And he does all the hand motions, and he's quoting all the scriptures. And the water continues to rise until he drowns. Now the man's in heaven. And the first person he wants to see is Jesus. Because he wants to know why Jesus chose to let him drown even when he had faith and he was crying out and he was quoting scripture and he was doing everything that he wanted to do that he learned to do in church. And he wants to know, God, why'd you let me die? And God says to him, well, while you were up there, I sent a rope man in a rowboat and you told him to go away because you were believing God for a miracle. 
Then I sent a man on a Yamaha boat. And you sent him away because you said, I'm waiting on God. Finally, I sent a helicopter. They even had a ladder extended down to you. And you turned them away because you told them, I'm waiting on God. Dummy, I didn't do it. You prayed and I answered by sending you someone to help. You rejected the help that I sent. Are you seeing that? God meets our needs many times through the people he has connected us to. Have you ever considered that maybe the person you are sitting next to this morning is actually a divine connection? That has either happened or is waiting to happen. Maybe there is something in the person sitting next to you that is an answer to the prayer that you have been praying and you're missing out on the blessing because you have not made the connection yet. This is so important. See, so many times we, we hear people say things like, you know, it's just about me and Jesus. It's my journey with Jesus and I can meet with Jesus anywhere. You know, and I believe that, like, yes, you can meet with Jesus anywhere and you should have those personal moments of fellowship and intimacy with God. But we miss the fact that really it is all about us. It is all about the body. This that we call the church is actually what Jesus Christ died to develop. And so when you say things like, I don't need the church, you're really saying, I don't need what Jesus did for me. And you're saying things like, I'll just believe in God to show up and meet my need, and you send the boat away, and you send the helicopter away, and you sink because you choose to do life your own way. We have to understand when it comes to the things of God, it's not one of those uh, storybooks where we get to pick our own ending. You remember those books where you get to the place in the book, it's like, you know, you can jump. If you want this to happen, you can go to page this. And that, that's how we treat our Christianity. Like we kind of piece it together with what we like, what we don't like. There's parts of the Bible that we'll highlight, you know, <laughs> we'll blow them up, put them on a sign, hang it on our, our wall. But then there's other parts of the scripture that we want to go over with a, a, a whiteout marker. And it's like we want to put this thing together and do it our own way, and it doesn't work that way. God has a system. God has order and structure and design. There is a way in which he calls us to do things, and if we will do them the way that God has called us to do them, then we can actually prosper and walk in the blessing and the favor that he has made available to us. Somebody needs to hear this today because someone in here may be struggling in life not realizing that God is trying to meet the need by the people he has placed around you. Like I said, there, there are times that it is absolutely appropriate and it is necessary to get alone with God. But we also have to understand the value of our corporate coming together. And really, Randy touched on it during the time of worship. When we worship together, we are not just singing a song or putting on a performance, and it is not their job or obligation to try to coerce you into doing something that you do not want to do. That is the time where the church, the body, comes together and corporately says, God, you've been good to me. And if we will really turn our attention to what God has done for us, we won't... He, 
we won't need somebody to coach us through worship. We're going to express our feelings for him and the way we respond to him. Then what happens is when the body worships together and lifts up the name of Jesus together, do you know what happens? Jesus then steps down and comes in the midst of us. That's when things really start to happen. You know, so many people, I was talking to some of the gentlemen this morning, there's so many people, they want to chase miracles. They want to pop from place to place just looking for a direct word from God. You know, they get really into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I am for all those things, by the way. And I still believe that those things are active in the church. But that's not what we should be pursuing. Not as the church. As the church, when we come together, we should be pursuing Him with one voice, with one heart, with one vision. And if we will do that properly and honor God the way he needs to be honored, then God will inhabit the praises of his people. And when God shows up, the miracle you need is just a byproduct. The word that you need is just a byproduct. The gift of the spirit that needs to operate in the moment just becomes a byproduct. You don't have to chase it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to push for it. All you have to do is lift up the name of Jesus. And really, my heart as a pastor is to be a part of a local assembly that understands the value of worship. Can I just go off script a little bit here? We understand the value of worship when it comes to everything except for Jesus Christ. We'll go see a good movie, and what do we do? We hop online, tell everybody how wonderful the movie is. We eat a good meal somewhere, and what do we do? Whoo, that was good. We tell all our friends how good the meal was. We tell them how good the service was. We, we honor and celebrate the restaurant. We lift up all the people who, who served us there because they did such a phenomenal job. You can go on and on with this. Your kid hits a home run. You did awesome. Yes! You, know, you want to see parents go crazy? Go to a Little League game. You will see parents go crazy. They will lose their mind. People that will sit in church like this, And that's how some people look at me, by the way. Y'all don't get to see it. I need to have a camera up here so that it shows y'all's faces on the screen because this is one of the faces. Here's one of my favorites. <laughs> Last night, my daughter, Isla, she said, what are we doing tomorrow? Because she always wants to know what we're doing. And I said, we're going to church tomorrow. She went, yeah. She got so excited. I said, there's even going to be an ice cream truck there. And she said, Yes. She said, it's going to be so fun. She said, but you're going to be bored. <laughs> I said, why am I going to be bored? She said, well, not you because you'll get to do stuff, but mommy's going to be bored because she just has to sit there and watch you. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes, right? But that's how, you know, that's how we, we come to church and we do things like that. We'll sit there. With our arms folded, we'll sit there with our hands in our pocket, but go to a little league game, we're screaming. You'll, you'll talk about worship and you'll have guys go, well, that's, that's just not my personality. Well, first off, let me say this. Personality has nothing to do with worship. We don't worship God based upon our personality. We worship God by, by, by the way he said, worship me. That's why the Bible talks about it possibly being a sacrifice of praise because I'm going to lay down my fleshly desire. I'm going to lay down my dignity 
to worship God the way he deserves. That's why King David got so excited in worship that he stripped himself. His wife's like, what are you doing? You're the king. You shouldn't strip yourself from your royal garments. And he's like, not in this moment. I'm a worshiper. So you have these guys who they'll, they'll come to church and just, you know, want to be tough, you know, and be rigid because that's who I am. I'm a quiet guy. But you see them at a Georgia football game, their shirt's off, their chest is painted. You know what I'm saying? They got the helmet with the two beers, with the funnels, like, connected to it. They go crazy. Why? Because they know how to worship what they love. See, we, we don't want, yeah, thank you for that one hand clap. <laughs> you will worship what you love, and I will see what you love by how you respond to it. It is okay to get excited about your kid's sport. I'm not saying that. Like, I, I get into it. You know what I'm saying? It's okay to go to a football game and paint your chest. I'm for it. I, mean, I don't have the body for it, but, like, <laughs> mentally I'm there with you. You know what I'm saying? I could put the whole, you know, the whole logo. <laughs> I don't need a bunch of guys to have the word written out on me. I could do the whole word by myself. <laughs> I'm for that. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, I'm not going to reserve myself. I'm not going to hold back, and I'm not going to care what you think about me. I don't, I, I don't mind becoming a fool for Christ, in other words, because I, I understand what he's done. When, when the worship team is singing this morning, I'm picturing Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where he is actually sweating drops of blood because of the immense amount of pressure that he is under. And I think, man, God, you did that for me. I can't help but to worship you. I can't help but to get completely involved in this thing that we call worship and adoration and praise. You want to see the atmosphere of a church change? You want to see miracles? You want to see the gifts of the Spirit? Become a place of worship. Become a place of prayer. Not just when we come together, but on your own time. Get yourself ready so that when we come in here, man, there is an atmosphere for God to move. Now back to the sermon. Talking about the importance of one another. I want to show you really quickly how God meets our needs through one another. Go to 1 Kings 17th chapter. It'll be verse 1. And I'm going to read this really fast to get to the point. Are you ready? Now Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead, said Ahab, I'll go faster, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself in the book Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you. Here's what's happening. Elijah is telling the king, because of y'all's disobedience, a famine is coming. And y'all are going to suffer. You're not going to have food. You're not going to have stuff to drink. But God is saying, Elijah, I'm going to take care of you. Because God will always provide for his children. 
And so God tells Elijah, I want you to go down to the brook, and at the brook, you'll get water. At the brook, I'm going to send ravens to bring you food. So the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, said, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Hey, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Meaning I, I only have enough for one last meal. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and, and he and her household ate for many days. The jar, the jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke to Elijah. So here we go. There's a drought. There's a famine. It's affecting Elijah now. The brook is dried up. And, and sometimes in our life we can get frustrated when things dry up and we can cry out to God. God, why is this drying up? Sometimes things dry up because he needs us to move because he wants to get us somewhere else. And so he tells Elijah, I want you to leave here where I, where I have been providing for you. And I want you to go to Zarephath. Because when you get there, there's a widow that I have prepared for you. What he's saying is, I've got someone else prepared to meet your need. So Elijah moves. He goes to Zarephath. Well, when he gets there, he asks her for some food and for some water. Not knowing that she was in need of a miracle. Because she was about to run out of food. She was about to prepare her last meal and then she was planning on starving to death. I'm sure she's praying, God, send somebody, send help, send rain, send, send rain so that the grain will grow. All these things, I'm sure she is praying. But God does not make it rain for her. God does not make the grain sprout up from the ground. God sends Elijah. And what happens here is the widow meets Elijah's need, but Elijah is there to meet her need. They were friends with benefits. They were mutually beneficial. And really, that's, that's the picture of what the church should look like. We should be mutually benefiting one another. This is the place where we come and get nourished. This is the place that we come and join ourselves to so that we can walk in the purpose that God has for us. And it's like a seesaw. I wish I had one. It's like a seesaw because there's times when you are going to be down and the momentum of a friend can pick you up. And then when your friend is down, your momentum can lift them up. It becomes a give and take where we are mutually benefiting one another. It's not all about what can you do for me. 
if I come to church with the attitude of what can you do for me, I'm going to miss out on the full blessing of what exists there. It's got to be what can we do for one another? How can we love one another? How can we just be kind to one another? How can I take time to just say hello to someone? It's as simple as that. And we begin to benefit one another and build one another up and encourage one another, and you never know what it is that a person needs. And we need to be vulnerable enough as people to reach out to someone else when we're going through something and say, you know what, I, I do need help right now or I do, I do need prayer right now so that somebody can strengthen me, so that somebody can encourage me. I can't get so caught up in this, this, this thing of like trying to be, you know, an image of like I've got it all together. I've got to be vulnerable enough to, Rhonda, to say, I need help too. And some of us struggle through life because we'll just never reach out to anybody and say, I need help. Or would you pray with me? Would you pray for me? You know why so many leaders end up burning out and breaking down? It's because they're continually pouring out but they never allow anyone to invest into them. And some of you in here, you're really great at investing into others. You're great at investing into your spouse. You're great at investing into your children. You're, you're great at investing into your workplace. You're great at investing into your friends, but you never allow anyone to invest into you because you don't want to show any sign of weakness. But God has placed us together to benefit one another. That doesn't mean you have to go around and blab all of your business to people, and, and you better make sure that you can trust somebody before you do. But I should be able to come to you and say, hey, I need prayer. I need help. Because that's what God has designed us to be. A support mechanism for one another, to build one another up, to encourage one another. Hebrews 10 Verse 24 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Did you catch that part? Not neglecting to meet together. What we do here together is not something that we should neglect and it's not something that we should take for granted. You know, Debbie, after the whole... COVID thing kind of started settling down and church doors were going to be open back up. I thought, man, we're not going to have enough chairs to contain the people that rush back to the church. To my disappointment, it was the opposite. Many churches had to rebuild and many churches ended up having to shut the doors because people lost interest. There's, there's a high percentage of people who just never returned to a church. But I thought, man, people are going to be excited to get back because they're the people of God. But it just shows us how biblically illiterate that we are when we think that we don't need the body that Jesus died for. Get this. Yes, Jesus died for you. Yes. But he did it so that we could become us. The body. Many members. But one body with Jesus as the head. So we cannot neglect 
are coming together because if you neglect the coming together, it's like saying I'm a finger that does not need to be attached to the body. Do you know what would happen if you cut my finger off right now? I would live. But my finger wouldn't prosper. I could carry it around and say, here's my finger. But it's useless. I know this is tough to hear, but that's what we do with our spiritual walk. We go, I'm a Christian, but you're actually useless because you think it's just about you and Jesus. And you're getting spiritually fat on your couch. (laughs) And you're getting fully loaded with the good news of the gospel, not realizing that that is intended so that you go out into your world and impact the world to bring more people to the body. And this that we do here is the place that we get built up for the mission out there. So he says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. That's the pattern of some, but we're going to be commonly uncommon but encouraging one another, and all the more as the day is drawing near. Final scripture I want to read to you is this, 1 Peter 4, 8. He says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, Bob, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. That passage is saying that People are the delivery system of God's grace. The gifts that he places in you are for the benefit of others. And God meets our needs vertically and horizontally. He meets our needs vertically through our prayer and our worship and our communication with him. But he meets our needs horizontally through the people that he has connected us to. The body that he has placed us in, which is the church. That's why when we do things like small groups, You have to understand the value of being involved in a group. That's why, you know, I would encourage you in here, like some of you, you know, you don't have to wait for a church event to meet somebody, like start building a relationship and say, hey, can we go eat some tacos after church today? And start developing some relationships to where when things are going tough, you have someone you can reach out to and say, hey, would you come into agreement with me? That's what I love. There, there are people in this church that I am so, so thankful for because I know that I can pick up the phone and I can say, hey, this is what's going on. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, no matter what it is, they'll be there for me. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there are people in this church that I can call and say, hey, I need prayer. And I know many times you want the pastor to be the one that responds to you. And I absolutely want to be there for you as an individual as much as I possibly can. But you do understand how difficult it is for one person to carry the load of many. So what does God do? He gives you gifts too, to benefit one another. When God brings Israel out of bondage, millions of people, Moses is the head. Moses realizes, okay, I can't do do all this on my own, so what am I gonna do? I'm gonna select captains. We're going to break off into groups. We're going to filter things through these people. Why? Because we're all working together. Are you seeing that? We are all working together here to build something for the kingdom of God. This is not an Aram, the Aram Meshagan show. Far from it. This is the us, the body of Christ that has been planted here in Dallas, Georgia to reach the city, our nation, and the world. 
and every single person in this place carries value. Father, for every person in this room, I'm asking right now that you would touch their heart. Lord, I'm asking that you would meet them at the point of their need, whatever it may be, God. If there's sickness in their body, we claim healing. If there's sickness in their family, we claim healing in Jesus' name. Victoria, would you stand up? Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that you would touch her right now. Lord, whatever it is that she has on her heart, Lord, I'm asking that you would meet her there. I'm asking that you would bring an answer. I'm asking that you would bring a solution. God, I'm asking that you would bring peace to her heart and to her life and to her family, God. Let it be so. God, for every person in here, just meet them at the point of their need. In Jesus' name.